Check it out. Our top three cities listening to Pub Theology Live this week. Number three, Medina, Ohio, or Medina, Ohio. So thank you to our listeners in the Buckeye State. Number two, Houston, Texas. Yeah. Wow. Yeehaw. Check that out. And holding at number one, everybody's favorite town, Newburyport, Massachusetts. Woohoo! Again, that might have been me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 58 of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint or maybe a fine wine. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com. And you can listen, of course, anytime to our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, as well as the New Thought channel on your Roku device. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. First up, we have Casual Priest, the maker of fine clergy does, and they're based out of Sweden. They're clergy tops, both for men and women, tailored, modern, confident, stylish. You can win some free duds from Casual Priest by joining our conversation. Call and leave a message on our Casual Priest hotline. That's 980-PT-LIVE-0. Or for those of us without letters on our phone, 980-785-4830. And you can also join our conversation anytime on Twitter or Facebook. Anytime you listen, post a comment, and please use the hashtag PTLive so that we can find you. And our wine sponsor is Wink Wine Club. Wink, spelled W-I-N-C, features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. Get started at trywink.com slash PTLive for $20 off your first order and other cool savings. And you've heard me mention, and it's coming up soon, I'll be recording an episode at the Wild Goose Festival, July 13 to 16 in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Wild Goose is an art, music, justice, and spirituality festival, and I will be recording that Saturday night of the weekend in the Goosecast tent. Come check it out, listen to the live recording, get a beer at the beer tent. And if you don't have your tickets yet, you can use the code GooseCast17, I believe that's all caps, GooseCast17, you'll get 25% off your tickets. So please check it out and come see me at the Goose. And ain't you going to be in Philly too? Talk about your Philly thing, man. Well, yeah. And next week I'll be in Philadelphia at Philly Beer Week, uh, June 8, 6 o'clock at Fergie's Pub on Sansom Street for uh, an event called Two Priests, Two Ministers, and a Rabbi Bear It All. Nice. So I don't know. I have no idea what's going to be happening that there. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's a good show because I'm, I'm going to be there if it is. I'm not quite sure what I've signed up for. It used to be walk, you know, a rabbi, priest, and a minister walk into a bar, but now apparently we bear it all. So. We bear it all. Oh, my God. That's next Thursday in Philly. Check it out. I might be like it sounds like Brian doesn't know what he's getting into. <laughs> I think it's better when he doesn't. <laughs> it's better when he doesn't. And if you are not doing anything next spring, May 6th through 20th of 2018, I've been invited to uh, 
join a group of New Thought ministers. We're doing a cruise from Florida to Barcelona, Spain. Um, check out the website spiritatseatravel.com for details about that. Or call 1-800-828-4813. This 1-800-828-4813. Come join me on the high seas because cruise ship Ogun is fun Ogun. You know, oh, uh, uh, yeah, and guess who's going <laughs> to crash that cruise and just be there whether you want them or not. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the minister's bearing it all. This is oh, not going to be that kind of Oh, man. So tonight... Uh, well, we just had our sexy episode. Tonight might be the controversial episode. We're going to talk abortion. Does being a Christian mean that you have to be pro-life? And maybe we'll ask, what does pro-life even mean? Does your political affiliation automatically determine your position on abortion? Or is it vice versa? Or neither? Is a sane conversation on this issue even possible? We will try to find out tonight. And perhaps, you know, why not? We'll get into a bit of hypocrisy and maybe even some cognitive bias. So there you have it. It's on on the docket for tonight. My name is Brian Burkoff. I am pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, and author of the book, Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. And because of our sensitive topic tonight, I'm again drinking a PC Pills, American Hopped Pilsner from... Founders Brewing down the road in Grand Rapids. And with us as usual, Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I am Reverend Ogan Holder of Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, author of Rants to Revelations. And tonight I'm taking a page from Tina's book. I'm going wine tonight. This is a, it's called Bogle Vineyards, it's an old wine Zinfandel from Cali, 2014. Um, I thought my wink delivery would have come today. Like I got the text saying the FedEx guy is going to come. Somebody's going to be there to sign for it. I was all excited. He hasn't shown up yet. So um, this is not from wink, but my wink stuff's on the way. And I'm very excited about that. Didn't you give me a hard time when I ran out of my wink stuff before the month, before the next shipment came in? Yeah, I recall that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Just checking. I I, I did. I did. (laughs) I apologize in hindsight. That was was premature of me. Um, Whatever. Um, This is uh, Tina Simmons, author of Zandrail, Being Human is Overrated as T. Griffin. And tonight I am going off the script completely. And I'm drinking a mojito because my mint plants are going crazy. Fresh mint in my mojito. Well done. It is. It is. Um, what the unofficial we're unofficially in summer now, so mojito mm. is perfect. That's right. There you go. Boy, a little warning, and I might have queued up a gin and tonic tonight. Well Aww. done. No, no, See, I, we, we should discuss this stuff ahead of time. <laughs> I hope no one was watching me pour that beer because I was spilling it like all over myself. I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what happened to that can, but uh, I'm wearing like, some what, of it. I was gonna ask what was going on there, but. <laughs> It was a little touch and go. <laughs> our best tonight. <laughs> well, uh, hey, check it out. Our top three cities listening to Pub Theology Live this week. Number three, Medina, Ohio, or Medina, Ohio. So thank you to our listeners in the Buckeye State. Number two, Houston, Texas. Yeah. Wow. Yeehaw. Check that out. And holding at number one, 
everybody's favorite town, Newburyport, Massachusetts. Woohoo! Again, that might have been me. You <laughs> 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 see, no, I, I blame you guys for this because you all used to give me a hard time for not listening to the show after the fact. Mm-hmm. I actually went back to listen to the show um, in prep for tonight because we're kind of like following up from some things we said last week. And I went back to listen to the show and uh, this is this is compliment to Brian. I, I love how you edit the openings. So I listened to like <laughs> the last 15 openings of shows. <laughs> Good times. So that that, that might have been what skewed yeah. the numbers. I won't go back. Well, we Brian, hope our listeners you- go beyond the openings. I will say that. Brian, where did um where did Portland fall? They've been on the top three. For well, they weeks. did. They fell out of the top. Um, Portland. Uh, don't even. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I'm going way down the list. They're not in the top thirty. I'll just. Oh no, 30, <gasps> 34. Oh. Wow. Up here, people. Wow. Wait. Um, did we have? Did we have some countries we're going to do? Fall from grace. I will say the number four city was uh, Rochdale, uh, England. So England, you know. Thanks wow. to our British listeners. And uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, we had some Canadian, Australia, Turkish listeners. So people are tuning in from all over. Well, there we go. Which is great. International. Is great. International. There you go. Do we want to jump into hypocrisy or right into abortion? What's the. Well, let's, let's, let's warm up. I with think them. they're connected. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll warm up with with hypocrisy. So, uh, on Twitter, Shane Claiborne says, "When people tell me that the church is full of hypocrites, I say, no, it's not. We always have room for more." Nice. <laughs> so you know, point being, of course, it's full of hypocrites. Humans are hypocrites. I think is the uh, understood uh, thing there. But then a follower responded on Twitter and said. A student complained of all the sexist, racist, homophobics at church. I replied, OMG, there are sinners in the church. So I don't feel quite as good about that response tweet as I do about Shane Claiborne's tweet. So thoughts on either? Um, I don't think it's human nature to be a hypocrite. I kind of get what they're saying about hypocrites in the church because... um, and I'm not saying everybody who goes to church is a hypocrite by far. Um, but it's the whole idea that you're preaching to other people how to live, but you're not living a flawless life. I think uh, that's the whole point of it. That's that's the ticket. Whereas, you know, maybe some non-church, well, and I like I said, it's not everybody in church, but non-church goers aren't preaching to you to, to live your life a certain way. They're just living their life. And I would, I would change the language from hypocritical to contextual. So, and when I say that, I mean, we want to make um, life black and white. We want to say, here's the rules I live by. Here's what I do in this situation. Here's what I don't do in this situation. The truth of the matter is when any situation arises, we are going to make a choice based on how we feel in that situation, the information that presents itself, the perceived outcomes from the choices we make. Life is all shades of gray. So, so we are contextual beings. Context is king. So the problem where that arises is that if we make a choice or a decision 
that seems to go against something we have declared, I'm never going to do this, I'm always going to do this, then we get ourselves in trouble as well. Um, this is not to take away from your point, Tina, about, about people preaching to others when they're doing the same thing, but it, it kind of piggies back on that. We, we want to say to folks, sometimes you shouldn't do this or you should do this, but then when we are in that situation that we are busy preaching against or preaching for, what is the choice that we're going to make? We may not always know until we get there. You know, some people will boldly declare, I'm never going to kill someone else. But you know what? If someone threatened the life of my kid, they're going down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you know, and I say that now, but then when I get in that very, if I were to be in that very situation, what I actually take a life to save a life of like my child i would like to think i would do that but i don't know so it's very you know we're contextual beings and like you said it's all situational but that's where um i think a lot of people preach the bible as if it is black and white and that's not how human beings live every situation is different so and the bible itself isn't black and white the bible what's what's been written in the bible has evolved over time based on how the, the the people who wrote the passages in the Bible at the time they wrote them have evolved as well. There's a, there's a stark contrast between how God shows up in the Hebrew scriptures and the Pentateuch, the first five books, and, and how he shows up in the gospels and the epistles. I mean, you know, that the idea and relationship of and with God evolves over the course of the Bible. So even even that's not clearly black and white. And Jesus demonstrated that, you know, when, for example, the woman who was going to be stoned for being in adultery, like at the time the law was clear, woman's in adultery, you stone her. And Jesus brought context to the situation and simply said, well, yeah, and who are we to judge when we may talk about hypocrisy when here you all men with the rocks might have been similar perpetrators of the crime because she had to be in with somebody you know so you get what i'm saying right. so he brought that context and that yes but made... see but see con context i agree is one thing but you also have to consider if the woman had gone around preaching uh fidelity or abstinence from sex outside of a marriage relationship or whatever right and she's just going on and on and then does something contrary to what she was saying you would say kind of a hypocrite uh, yeah so she wasn't the hypocrite in the story the men were the hypocrite. Oh, of course of course right yes for not being consistent about anyone having a flaw but i think that's part of claiborne's point is that all of us at some level fail to live up to our own ideals like at that very basic level i think yeah there's some piece of hypocrite in all of us uh but the unfortunately that word is so negative and we think oh, only the worst people are hypocrites but i think in reality we all have a little bit of hypocrisy in our lives because we're not perfect beings well there's a difference between being a perfect being and preaching to everyone else that they have to be perfect true true and I, I, you're definitely right about that but I, I think you could be, even without preaching, you could be a hypocrite by just holding a certain value and then not following through on it. You're a worse hypocrite. You're a more public hypocrite if you're very vocal about something and then clearly don't live up to it or do the opposite. Then you are, you know, everybody can see it, but you could not say something to anyone 
let's say, you know, you hold a value on caring for the earth and then, you know, you go out and burn all kinds of fossil fuels that you didn't have to, or you stop recycling. And maybe you weren't even telling people that, but you held the value, but then didn't live it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, oh, making, I'm, a, I'm a total hypocrite with that. Maybe I'm making no sense. Well, no, it, it totally makes sense. And I, I get what you're saying. Well, that's the contextual part of it. I don't, you know, to, to you, but to use Brian's point, you know, I could be out there driving a car in the gas guzzler that uses up fossil fuels, but am I doing other things in my life to reduce my, or, you know, re reduce my carbon footprint to balance that? You know, it's not just, uh, we, we, we sometimes feel like we, we need to go to like total extremes on things when it's not. Um about balance well okay if you want to say that but brian's got a point there like you you can't you're reducing your carbon footprint but you're not eliminating it you're still making a negative impact on the earth if you, you have a carbon footprint at all so or is it negative or zero sum gain if i'm doing enough to offset if i'm doing enough in other areas of my life to offset my carbon footprint from driving for example then then zero sum gain. I'm not, I'm not, you know, you get what I'm saying? I'm planting trees, I'm recycling, I'm, you know, doing a whole lot of different things. I think you it know, would help eat. if you stopped eating and breathing, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I hear Take what up you're a saying. lot of oxygen. Teasing. <laughs> I, hear, I hear what you're saying. The whole carbon footprint thing, anyhow, like, I just, I don't think we have, can actually ha quantify our impact. No, we can't. Well, you're right. We can't on a grand scale long term, but yeah. for individual impact, we can quantify if we want to take the work to do it. But back to Clearbone's thing about we always have room for more. I really like that because, you know, what the, the church is a place that helps you, helps can help provide some clarity about your choices, about your consciousness, about, you know, how you want to show up in life. And I think I think that's where that's that I, I I love that bring get some more people in, you know. Yeah, Ogan, I'm sorry, but I, I'm pretty sure he was being sarcastic. No, I think he was being quite serious. It says the church is full of hypocrites. It's not full, he says. We always have room for more. I I I took that as being sarcastic. I don't. No, really? I took it as being a totally serious comment. He's saying that the church is a place that ushers in transformation. So yeah, we, we need to get him on the show. They'll have more room for more people to come in to be transformed. So yeah, we got hypocrites, but there's enough. There's more people out there, more hypocrites out there who aren't doing anything about the hypocrisy. Come to come into church and perhaps usher in some transformation. Well, yes, that. But also, I think he's the way I read it was course the church is full of hypocrites there are people there that that's yeah. how i took it but i could yeah, exactly that no i i agree with you on that but by our very nature we are flawed we're human beings we are we are flawed you know and not not in the not in the like i don't think i don't subscribe to the traditional sense of that flaw being like born in sin and we're sinful i subscribe to the doctrine of original blessing but at the same point in time sure we human beings will we are we are flawed you know and that's yeah and 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 you hold to the fact that we can change and that we can make progress towards being better people yeah yeah so what about this follow-up tweet where she says 
um, where it says a student complained of all the sexist, racist, homophobic folks at church. I replied, oh, my God, there are sinners in the church. Um, I, I think along the same lines that, yeah, where, uh, well, two, two places that go with it. One, again, the church at, at its at its highest ideal is a place for transformation. So, yeah, let's get the sexists and the racists and the homophobic people in church. And hopefully, you know, that message of God is love, you know, follow, really follow the teachings of Jesus and accept and love everyone will sink in. <laughs> and then they may actually live that. And maybe they'll be a little less sexist and a less racist and less homophobic. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the church is the, I, I get what he's what he's saying. The the church is the place of transformation. You don't come in after you were transformed. You come in before and do your transformational work there. Yeah, I totally agree with that part of it. It's it's a it's a process. You know, you don't come in because you're perfect. You know, um, and I think that people expect that. Oh, you go to church every Sunday. You know, you should be flawless. You 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 right. should be living what you preach. Whatever. Well, I shouldn't even say that because, like, not everybody who goes to church is preachy. But, yeah, like Ogan said, the whole point of being at church is to learn and grow. So, of course, you have flaws. Because, honestly, if I hit perfection, if I hit enlightenment, I'm not going back to church. What's the point? Boom. Right? right? Church is coming to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm so, not, so I go. <laughs> yes. So, what, I, what makes me uncomfortable with this second response is the precise issues named and they're all issues of um historic sort of power struggles where men given the patriarchal history of the church so sexism is a real issue in the church given um in the western church uh the racism and the history of that and the whole history of slavery in our country racism that's a big deal and of course homophobia that's a huge deal where a lot of straight uptight folks have not made space for LGBTQ folks. So when someone names those specific things and you blow it off and say, oh my God, there are sinners at church, that feels to me a whole different kind of response than what Shane Claiborne is doing. And I don't have much sympathy for that brushing those specific things off because those are still real issues in the church. And Many people have been hurt by church or have left church and never will come back because of sexism, racism, homophobia. So I, I get what she's trying to do. She's trying to play along with Shane, but by naming those specific things, I think she goes too far and that's not an appropriate response. And, and I think it also depends on what church we're talking about because there are churches that are not sexist, that are not racist, that are not homophobic. There are churches who open the doors to the LGBTQ community. There are churches that ordain women at the highest level. There are churches who welcome all, regardless of ethnicity, race. So, so, so we have both sides of the equation. Because guess what? The church is a microcosm for our world, and we have that in our world too. Yeah, we have people who are sexist and who are not, who are racist and who are not, who are homophobic, and who are not. So why should why should the the church is reflecting the world? Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean I don't disagree with you, and I like to think I belong to a church that you just described. Except that I would say even our best churches still have elements of all of 
sure. yuckiness of humanity in them because there's human humans. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. even, even all of us have ele elements we'd like to think we're above somewhere, uh, sometimes buried in us that we're not even aware of. Um, but yes, go there and think, oh, that's this kind of church. You wouldn't think that at all. I wouldn't think that, I assume, uh, going to your church, or I would hope folks wouldn't think that coming to mine. Uh, but anyway, right. anyway still, the response but, is, yeah, just rubbed me the wrong way. But but even though you're, that's not the um, culture of your church, you still have people in your building that may feel that way. Whether right. you do or not, whether your congregation as a whole does or not, you still may have people that walk into your building and feel that way. That's right. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm at a unity church and unity churches are supposed to be like this, like, like, you know, city on the hill when it comes to openness and progressiveness and, um, you know, original blessing philosophy. And we accept all paths to God and all that, but there are individuals who still walk into our church who may be like in their view, not maybe who are, because I've encountered them and in my travels around the country in different churches who, who say, you know, I love you in these teachings, but in my mind, marriage is between a man and a woman only, or in my mind, right, right. I think, you know, we, we're going to talk about abortion later that, you know, uh, abortion should, abortion shouldn't happen. Um, you know, so, so again, it's, it's that, it's that some people are able to reconcile being in a community that is open, but their own personal views don't match that community. And what often will happen is that that person doesn't stay in that community very long because they're always rubbing up against that or, or they change their views about things. Okay. Well, let me, um, let me put a little twist on this one and just give you something to think about. I don't expect an answer. Okay. Um, I know a lot of men that consider themselves progressive um, that, that say they value women as equals but when it comes down to their personal interactions, they don't necessarily value a woman's opinion as equal to a man's. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this in unity churches and I've seen this in progressive communities where they say they march, they say they want women's rights, but when it comes down to their personal conversations, they don't always value the women as an equal, as an equal say, as an equal, um, as on the same level. Yeah, I have an answer for that. Not a, not a solution, of course but, you do. but a response. No, it's it is it is embedded ignorance. And this is not an excuse. But often we don't realize when we have learned discrimination and are repeating it despite our best efforts. I'll give you a perfect example of this. I was at a unity conference a few years ago. And um, I, there was some, some, there was some, you know, we got booths with vendors and I went to a, a booth with a vendor and, um, uh, Jennifer, my wife, she's white. She was white. I'm black. Um, and I go to this booth with this vendor and I leave and Jennifer comes out like two minutes later and says to the guy, cause we'd, I think we'd agree to meet there from remember this correctly. We'd agree to meet at this vendor's booth. I was there waiting for a few minutes you know, talk to the guy a little bit and she didn't show up. So I left. She came a few minutes later and she said to the guy, have you seen my husband? And the guy said, no, I haven't, I haven't seen anyone. Come here. Are you sure? He said he was going to meet me here. No, I haven't seen your husband. The only one here was this black guy. Like, this is what he says to her, right? 
And she's like, that was my husband. He's like, oh. So the fact that, you know, it would never occur to him that, hey, this guy just spent like the, and he was a very pleasant man. But the fact that he would say, like, this guy just spoke to for the last five minutes, it never occurred to me it might not have been your husband because you're white and he's black. Again, that's that learned, like, really subtle discrimination that people don't half the time realize they're doing. It happens with, with sexism as well. It has happens with different ethnicities. I was having a conversation with someone up here, like, uh, last year, and he was talking about how they were bargaining in an auction or something for someone. And he used the phrase and we had to Jew him down to this amount of money. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm, nope. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's like, and he was like, wait, what, do you, what is wrong with saying that? And again, <laughs> this person, I know him personally by all other accounts is one of the kindest, most generous, hilarious, loving people I know. But again, yeah depending on where you are and how you've been brought up, these things get embedded in you and you don't realize what's wrong until you point them out. And what becomes even worse is when they are pointed out by the people who you are insulting, who you are disenfranchising, that you try to argue with them. So to your point, Tina, when the sexism is happening in churches, especially unity churches, when the homophobia is happening, and you pointed out, and then they're arguing with like, no, we're not doing that because look at all these other things we did. Then it's time to say, well, because you've done all these other things doesn't mean you're still doing it now. You know, and as a person who was directed it towards, I am telling you that you're doing it. Please do something different. Sounds almost like a carbon footprint. <laughs> so, so Tina, my much uh, shorter response. Touche and well played. Touche and well played. <laughs> My much shorter response would be, I'm sorry you had that experience. And as a man, I will admit that sometimes we suck. And I apologize. Only sometimes we suck Thank all you, Brian. the time. That was, that was a pretty awesome response. All right. So does being a Christian automatically mean you are pro-life, uh, you are anti-choice, you are anti-abortion does being a republican mean you have to be pro-life and you can call that pro-life lowercase or uppercase or does being a democrat mean you have to be pro-choice so how, how do you guys see that playing out in your own life in terms of your tribal identities and just your views on that issue and is there a way beyond those sort of assumed stances that we've sort of carved out in our society. I think we like to uh, label people and assume we know about them because of that label. Um, and Christianity, I have to say, does, they, they get a bad rap sometimes. Um, you know, they get called out for being hypocrites. hypocrites. They, they get called out for being judgmental. They get called out for being conservative when most, you know, a lot of them really aren't, but it's the people that have been damaged in the church that, you know, that have seen this in action. So the second they hear the word Christian, they just assume it. I think as far as um, politics go, it's a little sketchier because like Christianity is like this huge broad umbrella. But when you talk politics, if you're going to associate yourself as a Democrat or as a Republican, yeah, there are pretty strict views 
on certain issues with, you know, but again, there's gray areas within it, but for the most part, there's pretty standard views to, to call yourself that, which is why I won't associate myself with a political party because I don't want to say that I believe everything one party believes. Right. Um, I think, I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. And uh, this, this question was actually asked of Nancy Pelosi um, mm. a few weeks ago, you know, can, a person be Democrat and be pro-life and without missing a beat. She said, of course they can be. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's not just a simple issue. And, and we want to, we, we want to, I think in the name of really um, avoiding a deeper complex dialogue, just put big labels on things. Being a Republican is a lot on conservative means a lot more than your stance on women's issues, on birthrights, on gay rights. Um, you know, there's a whole like like um, economic piece to it as well. You know, sure. same thing with being a Democrat or a liberal. There's or a libertarian. There's so many issue uh, uh, issues that fall under these umbrellas. And one, and as a human being, we are are decisions and choices vary about a lot of things you know when it comes to social issues i am definitely more liberal progressive when it comes to economic issues i might be more libertarian even leaning a little bit conservative myself well easy so uh i'm just saying <laughs> but but this is this is the trouble we find ourselves in and this is why you know not to skew this conversation political wise but this is why the two-party system is 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 gonna be the death knell of democracy here because we're not given enough other choices, um, mm -hmm. you know, to meet to meet the complexity of who we are as human beings. Um, and back to the abortion issue that you were asking again, pro life, pro choice are, I think, really misnomers for this whole thing and how it's associated. And we we were chatting about this earlier, and I talked about the, you know, where where's my category as a person who ultimately. You know, I have a 16-year-old daughter will say to her if she were to find herself in a situation where, you know, she's pregnant as a 17, 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old and says, you know, I don't know that having this baby becoming a parent at this age is the best choice for me. I want to have an abortion. I'm going to do my best to, A, talk her out of it, not for any religious reason, but because me personally, I don't like the idea of terminating the life of a fetus that's just my where i am personally but at the same time at the same time i'm going to make sure she knows that she's empowered to make this choice for herself that this is her life and um it's it's her choice and that having it having the abortion or uh giving birth to this child it's it's either either choice is gonna have lifelong repercussions no matter which choice she makes. So where's my category? Does that automatically make me pro-choice? I don't know that it does. Does it automatically make me pro-life? I don't know. I don't want to box into one or the other. I think I honestly think, and I don't want to box you in, but I think it does make you pro-choice because you're telling her she does have a choice. However, okay, I'm going to say, I have a problem with what you just said because the fact that you're even giving her your opinion when you will never find yourself in her shoes or ever could have in your life. Mm -hmm. I think 
the proper response is to lay out all the facts. Hey, this is what your life may look like if you do it. This is what your life may look like if you don't. These are the emotions you may go through. Like, these are the emotions that could happen if you do it, if you don't, whatever. And, and you know, let her make her own choice. But the second you say, I do not approve of this, or I don't think it's right to do this, all of a sudden, mm. she's got it in her head, and she that's skewing her decision. And later on in life, it may come back and be like, you know, this is dad, you know, like, it, I just, it puts pressure on her to please you. Sure. And, and when I, so two things, that last part he said about the repercussions, no matter which choice you make, that's what I'm alluding to. Yes. I will, I will definitely share here's, here are the possibilities of any choice that you make. But if my child comes to me and says, what do you think? How do you personally feel about this? I'm not going to tell her, I'm not going to share with you. How I don't personally feel because this is your choice. So I'm not going to do that. No, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, here's how I feel. And it is your choice. That's different. If she asks you, I get that. Yeah. And we, and we had this, and, and this is a discussion that, that, that we had with her when she was 14 no younger than that. When she 12 years old, we had this discussion with her because um you know both both sides of her family my side and her mom's side except you know for the two of us jennifer and i were like the black sheep of our family the rest of them would fall under the broad category of you know conservative traditional christians who would frown upon that and she knows that and we said to her please don't please know that that's not how we feel we don't believe there's any moral there's this is not necessarily a moral issue or a religious sin issue this is a this is ultimately your choice and and whether we have our own views about it or not please know that we support you whatever you do we're here for you and that's not an easy choice to make in any no matter where you are and we would hope that you would come talk to us and with us about it to know that you don't have to carry this on your own, which I think are some of the bigger issues around this than just the act yeah. itself. Yeah, and I totally agree with you there. I think the more conservative Christians are in, in actually encouraging abortion, because like we talked about last week, they're encouraging kids to hide the fact that they have sexual feelings or to hide the fact that they're having sex. So if you get pregnant and you're extremely ashamed about it and you go get an abortion in privacy, like not only are you carrying the guilt of that because you're being told abortion is bad, but you're, you're feeling isolated from your family and you're, it's just guilt compounding on guilt and shame. And it's, it's just a horrible place to be. And the, and the, and the drive to, to um, make abortions illegal and ban them, it's, it's only going to add to that. And it's only going to add to, in my opinion, um, a worse outcome health-wise, because let's be clear, no matter how, as long as humanity has been around, regardless of what the religious um, or or governmental laws or institutions were in place at the time, there were always people having sex out of wedlock. There were always people getting pregnant with somebody else's child they shouldn't be getting pregnant with. And there were always ways to terminate a pregnancy. Wow. These, <laughs> these, these are not new concepts. These have always existed as long as human beings have been around, you know. So, to, 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 so for me, the, 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 the I'm, I know I'm painting with a broad brush here, so I apologize. But 
you know, the 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 far right and the conservatives like incessant need to want to do things like defund Planned Parenthood and overturn Roe v. Wade. It's like that's not going to stop them from abortions from happening. That's yes. not going to really help anyone in the long run, and it's going to endanger women even more. And there's data to prove this. You know. So yeah, I think that's some of my frustration with this issue is that in my uh, region where I live. Uh, often being Christian is conflated with being pro-life and not only pro-life, but a contributor and marcher to right to life, the extreme right-wing organization supposedly opposed to abortion. Uh, And I I agree a hundred percent that simply making abortion illegal or closing down abortion clinics does not end abortion and it does not make life better for women and children and human beings. And and that said, I know many conservatives who do work at um, pregnancy crisis centers who do uh, work for adoption and, you know, do a lot of things to support women. So it's not, you know, totally one thing or the other, but it tends to, I tend to see a lot of energy pushed towards if I vote this way, then we're going to make it illegal and then it's going to go away. When in the reality uh, it's a much more complex and broader issue, and we need to work on things like poverty, education, uh, women's rights, uh, a number of things that are all proven to actually reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies, which, ta-da, will reduce the number of abortions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're focusing on the wrong part, Brian. You're so right about that. And it, I, I think about, like, you know, these people that are anti-abortion, but and and they want to take care that you know these women that can't afford to have babies they're not educated you know they they have issues in life they've been traumatized in life they have kids these kids end up in abusive homes it's like oh poor kid he ends up an unruly teenager in jail and all of a sudden we turn on him and we're like why you know why is this kid like this well you insisted that he be born into a family, into poverty, into, you know, like we're insisting these people be born, but then we don't take care of them when they are. We don't take yeah. care of the parents and teach them how to parent. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I remember one of my discussions with my mom years ago, her, her stance against um, things like abortion and interestingly enough, same sex marriage was based on this idea of, you know, we, it is, it is like basically a commandment from God that we have to be fruitful and multiply. So if we are, if, if we're doing things to prevent that, we're basically disobeying God. And my response to her was, listen, have you done a population count lately? There's 7 billion people on this planet. There's so many people that we, we are affecting the climate of the planet. We are about to like destroy ourselves. We're practically falling off the earth. I don't think we have a problem with being fruitful and multiplying. That if we got to slow down the multiplication if we're going to survive on this planet. So exactly, so that it argument is, really not bearing any water anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's immoral to have at least four children. Wait, uh, you you wait, what? <laughs> you're the peak. You got You got. saying that. I know. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Your quiver is full. Stop. Oh, <laughs> but I, you know. <laughs> Plentiful. 
But again, look at the biblical context. Again, when all this stuff was written, who was writing it? You know, a bunch of Israelites who were vastly outnumbered, you know, at all corners around them by other tribes. And then they're in exile. And it's like, we got to do all we have to do to preserve of this course. and our people. So be And it was a bunch of horny men. You didn't have women writing that stuff. <laughs> Woo, yes. It, it, mm. oh, yeah. They weren't the ones giving birth. Are you, saying, are you saying the women weren't horny too? Come on. Fair enough. So I think what, you know, what doesn't help the conversation, and I won't say either side is perfect. I so despise how this one issue, like I hear so many people say, I don't want to vote this way, but I have to go with pro-life. I don't want to vote this way, but I have to go pro-life. In, in the meantime, they're voting for pro-war, pro-wealth, anti-caring for the people at the bottom, anti-caring for our community as a whole, anti-education. And it's like, you know what? You're perpetuating all of the troubles uh, by being co-opted by this one issue, which guess what? They're not going to change anyway. So get over it. Yeah. Right. right. Voting against your own self-interest for something that even when, you, you know, we've had in the past Republican presidents, Republican House, Republican Senate, no one, Roe v. Yes. Wade not, not, not being over, overturned. And, yes. and part of that is because, again, to bring us full circle to that hypocrisy thing, let's be clear, there are people on both sides of the political aisle, on all ends of the religious uh, spectrum, who are benefiting from abortion services, who are terminating pregnancies, who are all of the above. And on the flip side, there are also, you know, gazillion uh, conservatives, liberals who are finding themselves in a place of, oh, this was an unplanned pregnancy. Guess what? I'm having this baby anyways. You know, so again, sure. the, the problem is we paint ourselves into corners with yeah. these broad, broad brushes. And it's a very nuanced, nuanced issue. Um, and and things like so this other this other thing about the the girl who got with at the christian school let's talk about that because that that's something you know talk about hypocrisy and you know reinforcing a mixed message sure sure so there was uh at a maryland christian school uh a senior who got pregnant and she was barred from walking in the graduation ceremonies because she was pregnant and this private schools policies require students to sign a pledge in which they agree to protect their bodies by abstaining from sexual immorality and from the use of alcohol, tobacco, and illegal drugs. So pretty, pretty negative uh, message sent there towards uh, one of their own students. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I, we have to back up here because I didn't realize all of that. Um, it's a private school. So you have to actually apply to get in. And they have rules, and you agreed to those rules. Uh, so I, I kind of get it. To okay, and yes, to a point. Yes, I, I agree with that. When you, if you sign a contract and you don't honor the contract, then you deal with the consequences of that. I agree. It's not saying she's not graduating. It's saying she's not walking. Well, I've, no, they but initially up. she was expelled. Yeah. So they pushed. The, their first response was to expel her. Yeah. Okay. That was that was the first thing, and then they got a lot of flack and pushback when it went public, and then they decided, yes. all right, we let her graduate, but she can't walk. Again, that whole 
we're not gonna pub, but we're not gonna make it public. We're trying to save face here, so we save face by not expelling her, but also save face by not uh, letting people see that we may be condoning this. So, but to 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 your point, Tina, yes, if you if you make this pledge, you sign this promise, you agree to this contract, then yes, you face the consequences if it's spelled out. Now, again. Here's here's where that hypocrisy thing I think comes in. It it's it's a Christian school, and you know when you look at the tenets of Christianity as Jesus taught them, what are they? Forgiveness, acceptance. Who is my brother's keeper? Taking care of the people, and that doesn't look like that. So my issue is not my my main issue is not with their their decision to expel her or not have her have her walk i mean they're a school they can make any policy they want but my point is you call yourself a christian school and your policy is not one of accepting people where they are to that quote by sharon claiborne your policy is not about taking in those who have quote unquote made mistakes and are seeking and need the last thing they need is to be outcast they need acceptance and forgiveness where okay, they're not a church they're a christian school they are entitled to their rules the rules are plainly laid out i i'm That's taking the fair. opposite side of this if first if, if anything because i thought you were going with this if anything i would want to call out the guy who got her pregnant and be like okay you're not walking Seriously. either but yeah. you know what turns out he's a college student and did not graduate from that same school oh, so okay. he's he's not okay connected to the that institution but I, I don't see this as being i don't see this as being a sex issue i would expect them to do the exact same thing if one of their boys got caught drinking and driving and they probably right. wouldn't uh, yeah you're right uh, here's my thing it would have been interesting to see if the guy who got a pregnant was at that school if they would have taken the same stance with him so again my issue you do wonder Right. My issue is not that they followed their own policy. My issue is with the policy to begin with. My okay. issue, if and and whether it's a school or a church, my issue is how can you say that you you call yourself Christian, which in the broadest sense means we're following the teachings of Jesus, and there is no room for forgiveness, acceptance, taking you in where you are which is all the things Jesus did. That's where I have the biggest issue. That's where I'm calling the... Oh, again, again. like 70% of the churches in America are like that. <laughs> I mean, the church, the, I'm sure the school is very in line with a lot of churches' beliefs. I, totally. And yes, this is an opportunity for them to look at this, this rule and be like, okay, is this still a valid rule? Is it outdated? Do we need to, to revamp it? But the bottom line is, when the rule was in place, she broke the rule, and they have a right to. I think it's great that they're letting her graduate. I think they're in denial because if they think kids are having sex of some kind, no, but she got caught, Ogan. People commit crimes every day, and they don't get caught; they get away with it. But she got caught. And back to my issue is: what do we make a crime, and what well, is the punishment? Does the punishment fit the crime? That's the issue. You can't go without rules. You can't go without no, no, no. I'm not saying don't have rules. Here's a great example of this. One of the reasons that when you look at the prison system, okay, when you look at when you look at the numbers, 14%, roughly 14-15% of this country, African American, 
but African-Americans make up more than half the prison system. Why is that? Because you have these stupid mandatory prison terms for things like the most minor of drug offenses that don't deserve prison terms. Okay. So during Obama's presidency, they started to roll that back. And they said to law enforcement, like, you bust a kid with, like, you know, a couple ounces of pot. Don't throw him in jail. That's right. ridiculous. It's, it's a strain on the resources. And you're basically putting people in prison for, like, ridiculousness, um, you know. So right. what is what is the current administration doing? It's rolling back those laws. And it's like, we got to enforce back to these mandatory minimums, which is, again, specifically targeting and disenfranchising minorities which people is of color and here's why is doing that and it's not that people of color are using drugs more than than whites it's that people of color are going to be targeted more for yeah, inspections right. and searches than people who are white and that's why you oh, end up with more people who are black in the prison system oh and i totally agree with you but i don't think that's relevant to this conversation they weren't targeting this girl for anything yeah so and the, and the thing is, the way they approached it, so this administrator of the school planned to notify students that she'd broken the rules, but she didn't want people to hear it sort of secondhand or from a third party. So she volunteered to read a statement to her classmates, and she says she was reading it in front of her parents and, and the school. She said, I started crying. I was embarrassed that I had to stand before all my peers and admit what I, what I had done. And then when she finished reading it, this administrator gets up and reads off the punishments that they're going to dish out to her. So there's also, I think, just a shaming culture. Yeah. So yes, maybe they have the right to hold someone to what they signed up for. But the whole shaming culture on this issue and toward women, I think, is, is a problem. Well, I definitely have a part a problem with the fact that the administration stood up and did that. I think if anything, they should have accredited her for coming forward and being brave enough to do what she did. That's right. But I, that I, that no shaming, longer, that's ridiculous. But so then my so then maybe this is what I'm trying to say. They don't deserve to call themselves a Christian school. Half <laughs> churches don't deserve to call themselves Christians. <laughs> They're not following, you know, the love of Jesus. Uh, exactly. And that's and I think that's the overriding big issue that we have here when we get so stuck in the, they call themselves, call, call them what they are, a religious school. You know, they are, they are, um, and, and as to your point, Tina, many churches are, they're so concerned about the religiosity of the rules as they've interpreted them and not the things that Jesus said he came to, to do and to demonstrate, you know, he's like, the, the laws are made for man, not man for the laws. You know, we're, we're, we're here to, we're here to love. We're here to, we're here to show compassion. You know, here we are, here we are, you know, trying to put another 26 million people uninsured and not have healthcare when, you know, what was the whole, was the whole story in the Good Samaritan? Somebody basically took and care and paid for all the healthcare needs of someone who needed them. You know, where's, where is, where is the message of jesus in all of this and of course it's gonna be of I course under, Christi i don't think that? christianity and jesus are always synonymous no well, exactly exactly <laughs> and unfortunately we define a christian as one who believes certain things about jesus and god in the bible it's too bad we don't define christian by someone who is aspiring to follow the example of jesus and live in compassion and love and open-heartedness 
but instead it's about believing certain things and how you act is often of little consequence to that definition because it's all grace and doesn't matter what you do. You've already been forgiven, but it turns out you do all the things opposite of Jesus. But now I'm going on a horrible blanket covering rant. That's offending. <laughs> offending people. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, brother. Preach on. Oh man, you know, I just you get you get tired on some of these issues, and you get tired by. I mean, I you know certainly I'm as big a failure as trying to follow Jesus as anybody, but at least let's hold out the values that Jesus held out and try to go toward those instead of explicitly living some things that just again and again look like you're landing in the opposite place of where Jesus would be. Brian, you just reminded me of the guy from the Green Mile when he's like, I'm tired, boss. I'm tired of people being ugly to each other. <laughs> nice pull. I like nice, that. Nice pull. Nice. But you know what? Here's the thing, though. Yeah, I'm not tired because when I take that long view again, like if, if I'm just looking at what's happening today, I can get and sometimes do get frustrated. But when I step back and take like the 100 foot view, and look and see where we've come in like just the last 50 or even 100 years you know five steps forward three steps back is still progress and we are making progress in terms of equality i mean 15 years ago i would not have imagined that same-sex marriage would have became the law of the land it it has you know we're, yeah. we're making progress when you look at these town halls at people both liberal and conservative democrat and republican who are enraged with these proposed changes to to the health care law that allowed a lot of them to have health insurance for the first time in their life and now they're saying that they want to roll that back like you know it's we're, we we are being we're being clear to say hey you know what this is this is not again politics this is not just coming down to belief this is about what is actually working in our lives what is actually providing the support and the kindness and the compassion that we need and those are the things we want so it, every time i see a town hall with people screaming at the representatives it fills it fills me with hope because people are saying yeah we want what works regardless of the politics or belief attached to it we we want to stand up for what what works for us there you go <laughs> that's all I got. There, that's all you got. That's all you got. Well, uh, yeah, man. And I did. I did want to add that uh, this was going back to our earlier conversation on abortion. But I often hear from friends who call themselves pro-life that if you are not pro-life, you are pro-abortion. And I just want to say that so many people that I know who call themselves pro-choice are not pro-abortion. They're not looking to increase the amount of abortions in the world. They are wanting to give women space to make a decision as to what is best for their own lives and their own future and their own livelihood. But they also, many pro-choice people, work tirelessly on things that will help reduce, in the long run, the number of abortions that actually occur. So don't conflate pro-choice with pro-abortion. Well said. That yeah. might be my final word. That's that's exactly the scenario I described earlier. That's my category. Where's that category? You know, where's 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 my check? Well, I think that category yeah. is pro-choice. I think people too too many people just don't understand that about it. Right. Needs 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 a little more explaining. 
does. Well, no, it doesn't. It means needs a little more understanding. Like Brian said, put the focus where it belongs. Put it on, you know, women equality and educating women and, um, you know, all the stuff he said earlier. <laughs> What'd you say, Brian? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Well, seriously, helping people work at a living wage, giving people educational opportunities, uh, providing, uh, you know, stuff, uh, safe sex and to, stuff. And realize, Emotional support for trauma. That would be a yeah. huge... Yes. Yes. And to realize that they're all interconnected. We can't separate these issues. To give right. people a better living wage, to give them more education is data proved again and again is going to like you said reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies reduce the number of abortions which i think is the whole point yep. yeah so so to to isolate these things in the name you know of of religiosity is kind of missing the whole point and the interconnectedness of how we live as human beings agreed agreed set a wrap yeah. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, friends, to Pub Theology Live. Feel free to connect and spread the word on social media. If you're listening to this show and loving it, man, tell your friends, tweet it out, Facebook it, mention it over the water cooler at work uh, because, you know, just got to get the word out there. Please leave us a review on iTunes also if you're enjoying the show. Note, we are taking a break for the summer, so uh, you'll hear us live next uh September 5, Tuesday after Labor Day. Not, of course, counting our Wild Goose episode. And you know what? We may throw in another surprise or two episode. You'll just have to, you know, keep checking the Facebooks for that. And if you want to find a local conversation like this happening in your town, visit pubtheology.com slash directory, and you can find something that's close to you. And if there's not one, you'll find resources to start your own. Thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash ptlive and casualpriest at casualpriest.com. Don't forget to leave us a message over the summer uh, as you're listening to one of these episodes. Call our Casual Priest hotline at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Done, guys. It's going to be a long three months. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we have to have a couple surprise episodes. Yeah, yeah, really exactly. Fun. Surprise. To our own sanity. <laughs> All right, so wait, so wait. When's Wild Goose again? It is July 14 to 18. 13 to 16. I made that up. 13 to 16. Like, <laughs> 13 to 16. So maybe that's what we should do. We should do like after you come back from Wild Goose, we do do a little check-in. You tell us how Wild Goose was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. A little debrief. And, you know, I think we pulled off a decent episode on kind of a tough topic. So, yeah, it's fun. Well, as always, we'll see, we'll see what our listeners think, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> we were all over the place as usual. As far as we know, it was kind of wise, profound, insightful. <laughs> listen, listen back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. If only, you know, our legislators would tune in, you know, we could see real change happening. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, okay. <laughs> you have so we need Washington, D.C. in our top three cities here. <gasps> that would be so cool. Seriously, are they even on the list? Let's check. Listen, if 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 data is showing us anything is that our representatives are not listening to the people, then they stopped listening to the people a long time ago. So that's that's part of the issue. We wouldn't be having all the trouble if they'd listen and do what what the people who voted them into office um, are wanting them to do. Right. right. Did, did you find uh, did you find DC on our list? Uh, DC good? is not on our list, though we do have uh, such towns as um, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, yes. Yeah, Grand Forks, North Dakota, Anchorage, Alaska. Nice. Jack- Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Melbourne, Australia. Go so Melbourne. crazy. Love hey guys, Australia. we're coming. We're coming. I know. I want to go to Australia. Hey guys, I got a jet, um, but it's been fun. And yeah, let's get together in the summer. I think we all, all right. All right. Post- Sounds good. Peace Sounds out, good. guys. We'll see ya.